A podcast network. I'm Mitchell Froom, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Starburns Industries with our musical guests, Velvet Starlings. Say hi, Starlings. Hello. Hey, and we've had a cavalcade of pretty cool guests, but they've all been on the phone. Yet one intrepid traveler, one... One brave and courageous, thoughtful seeker made it through the wilds of Burbank to the studio. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Larry DeVoskin. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. Now, I was told, you know when, you know when someone says, hey, I got a great story to tell you, but let's wait till, we, till the mics are rolling. I heard that there was a great synchronicity about the, me, about the meeting of Velvet Starlings and Larry DeVoskin. What, Christian, you were the one who was telling me this. What, what is this fabulous synchronicity? Yeah, so we played the Casbah, and immediately after, right in the morning, we had to check out of the hotel and go straight to Laguna Beach and do radio interview and talk about stuff. And my, well, managers, we'll call them, were like, let's go get some promotional stuff and get some cool stuff because it's right on Laguna Beach, and it's like the best spot. It's got the clearest water and it there's like not really too many people there and we could shoot because we have this song called emerald isle it's really beachy and it really just kind of would look super cool to get some footage over there so he dragged us down and all of our stuff with all the gear and we went and we did it and larry was just right there hanging out literally under a rock <laughs> just happened to be there under a right now, under a rock did you have to help him out Patrick Star style, like, <laughs> you know, um, I was actually under, you know, it's it's all about rock and roll. So yes. <laughs> why not be under a rock and then hear like the sirens singing in the background, this beautiful music. And they were doing kind of an unplugged thing, sort of B-roll for a video. And the thing was, is I came out of the under the rock, a little cave basically on yeah. the beach, which they have in Laguna. And and heard this great singing and, and music playing, and it was uh, an amazing discovery in the most organic way. It's like a, it's like an outtake from Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. It, it, it was very Spinal Tapish. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and had you now had you had some c- connection before? Did you know each other at not all? At no, all. not at all. Not at all. I, I was this strange 
deranged creature that came out from under a rock and then, you know, shared some of the history that I've worked uh, over the years with many bands, Sammy Hagar, David Bowie, MGMT, Sean Lennon, the Beach Boys, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm looking, when you when you look yeah. you up on Wikipedia, the first thing you see is a picture of you with Sir Paul. Yeah. You buried and, the lead there. Well, you know, it's... Uh, he, his, I mean, no offense to Sammy Hagar, yeah. but I think even he would agree that Paul McCartney well, tops the bill. Paul is... His favorite band from growing up was the Beach Boys. So mm-hmm. the fact that I have worked on music with them and been Al Jardine's songwriting partner for many years, there's a simpatico. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's it's living proof that um, if you believe in something and you have a love of it, mm-hmm. it's amazing. You know, it's like a Dr. Seuss, oh, the places you will go. And so right. when I heard these guys playing, they had a spirit that I haven't heard in a long time. It's what I would really call the spirit of pure music, of true music. And that's what appealed to me so much. Yeah. It's funny we were we were, we just made eyes because we were talking about the purity of music earlier in this and we and referencing the Pete Townsend song Pure and Easy, and so it's funny that you bring up the purity of music. So uh, so you so you crawled out of your of this cave. You saw yes. this band playing on the beach, and you walked up to them, and some and their parents were calling security. But then you said, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Who are these people? Well, I work with the Beach Boys. I think they're great. We're on the beach. Two of them are boys. What, like, what's going on here? So, you, what did you introduce yourself? And yeah. You s- well, you know, the the thing about life is that you know I, I was hiding under a rock to hide from the music world for a brief moment. I live in Manhattan, in New York. So, yeah, the fact that you come to a place, maybe in L.A. to work, and then you go down to Laguna Beach to recharge. So, mm-hmm. I, it was the last thing on earth that you're looking for is is right and and what a, a gift that 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 event happened because i just heard them playing and i introduced myself and i just said you know i'm myself a producer and i've worked with uh, quite a number of different artists over the years and there was an instant bond and what i liked about again that when i use that word pure it's a combination of things. There's, I, I actually feel like there is a resurgence. Everything is cyclical, and there's a resurgence of what I would call real music. And I know that's terms thrown around. Mm-hmm. I saw James Bay, the guitarist in New York, uh, just before I left, and he's playing on Monday. And, and he just plays beautiful guitars and sings and plays original music and has a fan base that will also be... A lot of the young girls are listening to Ariana Grande and Julia Michaels and a lot of the more contemporary artists, but they're also listening to somebody singing and playing the guitar. And so that's what appealed to me about Velvet Starlings is just it's the same, I would say, zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. which is the spirit of the times. There's a spirit of the times, and, and they're at a generation that's still like just slightly under the current generation so mm-hmm. it, it's 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 big moment is just on the very beginning of happening coming back to you and what you do so you were saying you've you've worked with the beach boys and with yeah. al, al jardine yeah. as a songwriter what does that entail well um I, you know i want to tell you having the weird thing about music is you you are fans of people and then suddenly you find yourself in a room with them and, yeah and uh, i was introduced to al i went to his ranch in big sur we wrote five songs in two days, and, and it was very complimentary. I mean, he's worked with Brian Wilson. He's, he's worked with one of the greatest composers in modern history. And, uh, and I went to their show in uh, New York at Jones Beach, and, and 
you know, we got in the van and there was a police escort. And it reminded me of the Beatles' Hard Day's Night when all the fans are chasing them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, people are running after the van mm -hmm. and, you know, the police have the sirens. And I thought, I'm in a Hard Day's Night, but it's not the Beatles, it's the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. and, and then they came to my house in the East Village at the time. I lived on the sixth floor of a walk-up. And, you know, these guys are... A little... I love people in New York refer to yeah. their apartments as houses. Yeah, uh, an apartment. And, like, they're climbing the stairs after playing this huge show, and they're exhausted. And they're like, you know, really? There are three more flights of stairs? <laughs> and we were in my apartment singing. And you have to pinch yourself when you think, yeah. I'm in my living room, and the Beach Boys are here singing. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, at about three in the morning, there's somebody screaming out of the window, can you shut the damn music off? I'm trying to sleep. And they were like, what's that? I said, well, that's what living in New York is called. It's like people are trying to sleep and they don't care who you are. And it was just a funny thing how these these uh, dreams you dare to dream really do come true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Harburg. Why? Yeah. Yes, I exactly. I, 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 I'm just sort of... When I'm in the realm of this, of that much synchronicity, the field of it, it's kind of. I, I wonder if you can feel it through the headphones, because mm. I'm. I kind of have this electric charge all up and down my spine right yeah. now as you're talking. It's it's the God molecule. Yeah. The God molecule is just. It drenches you, and you're you're moved by something that's like you're in a river, but you're not the river itself. You're just being carried by it. Yeah, like it's uh, if you are thinking about your brain. Is the brain you're thinking about thinking about itself kind of thing? Yeah. So That I, was a question I, earlier in the show. I, I so. will, if I am allowed, tell you this Paul McCartney story that led to that. No, you're photograph. not allowed to tell the story that I'm dying to hear. Um, <laughs> well, just, you know, I was in yoga one summer two, three years ago, and uh, I was upside down in a handstand. And there was this little window with these little, like, squares. And upside down, I just saw, like... Like, not a whole face, but like a nose and a mouth. And, and it you... was like looking in the window. And I thought, the nose and mouth look a lot like Paul McCartney of the Beatles. But why would he be like a peeping Tom at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday looking into a yoga class? It didn't make sense. And so I finished the class and went outside with nothing, just gym shorts and a T-shirt. And he was sitting alone in a at this this place called the Hampton Chutney. It's a, he's a vegan, so it's a vegan restaurant and he smiled you know certain people who are celebrities they they have a vibe of like don't approach me i'm too mm -hmm. famous but he was this warm son of a person and he smiled and looked me in the eye and, and i couldn't stop myself i said you know i teach your song yesterday in my nyu songwriting class and he looked at me he's like really i said yes you you start yesterday on an f chord but the first word is a G note. So it's yesterday instead of yesterday. It's yesterday. And that moment of a G and an F are mm -hmm. like when a cat walks across a piano. It's a, it's, a, it's a clash. And so you go from a clash to a resolve. And he said, I, I've never thought about that before. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you sit down? And, and so when you're singing at Paul McCartney... Like, yes, you find yourself suddenly realizing, don't sing at Paul McCartney. Right? <laughs> like, you're the guy who they took the microphone away from in high school because you suck so bad at singing. So do not sing at the most famous singer in the world unless you're an idiot. So No, but he must have loved it. So, and what a, what a wonderful thing to be able, like, what a gift for you to be able to share, to tell Paul McCartney something about... His music that he hadn't. He didn't know. He he said reflected. like what we talked about with the 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 river and the yeah. the, the 
the sort of electric feeling you have. He said that the music just comes through him, and if he had to, he respected anyone who's teaching because he said if he had to think about it, it would stop. So he just sort of, it, it's it flows out of him, and it and then later they they put the arrangement together. Mm -hmm. But but he has no real technical uh, theory behind it. I have I've been writing songs most of my life, and I have a I have a theory about songwriting. It's like if you want to want to write a good song, try and write a bad song. Mm, That's yeah. how you will because yeah. it's the desire to try and write a masterpiece that will stop you. Yeah. To try you'll try and be too clever. You'll try, but just try and write the dumbest thing that you could possibly think of. Scrambled eggs, yeah. right? And something comes through because you like uh, I say this on the show a lot with music we are all standing on the shoulders of giants and I don't mean just on the top yeah, of Paul of McCartney we're ta talking about these chord structures mm. these these instruments that have been built by masters and perfected over time and you play a guitar you play that that Stratocaster through that Fender tube amp with those chords and you are standing on a wealth of technology and musical accomplishment and stuff will come through you just slam on a G card and scream the dumbest thing you can think of, and it will start to flow. That's my belief. Yeah, and and the thing about songwriting, and I'm I'm sure that you know Velvet Starling has experienced this, is that very often the best things are like these twenty minute things that just come out of you. You're not even thinking about, and later on those become the the thing that people respond to the most. Mm -hmm. And and I find that it's one or the other. You either write, you know. A hard day's night in 20 minutes because you have a deadline the next morning or you write good vibrations and it takes six months to, right. to finish and there's sort of like this no middle ground between those two things yeah 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 absolutely and i do think there's like there's a difference like the production process is not that you want to be really thoughtful about that but i feel like the writing process is this sort of raw yeah. blah you yeah. know yeah. you just burp it out and that's the truth mm. uh well let's 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 get into this pop oracle format here so larry i can't wait to hear what your question is for the pop oracle you just come in here radiating this vibe of you know wisdom and appreciation so uh what do you got for us um well, give me a little more background, just because I have a lot of questions. Yeah, so, so I want to pick yes. which one would be an appropriate first question. Well, so it's not a question for the band. Yeah. It's a question for the universe, like okay. you'd ask a tarot reader. Okay. And really what I say, I encourage people to ask a selfish question, something that really has purchase in your heart, mm. something that you're struggling with or you're thinking about, and maybe on something that you want to continue, that you want to deepen the conversation about. This mm. is a way to open up the floodgates. Oh, nice. So maybe some strands of, of thought that will come through that you could never have imagined around the topic or the thing you're going to ask about. Okay, yeah. I, I have a very um, personal and good question based on someone I was with last night who has a, an extraordinary talent. And my question is, why does the hand of fate tap the shoulder sometimes of the person least likely to succeed? And they're hoisted up into the heights of fame and others who are the most likely to succeed that it comes inches from succeeding and misses them mm. why does fate why is it such a trickster and it doesn't tell you and give you what you expect oh yes why is fate such a trickster why does it sometimes pick 
not the obvious choice and not pick the, the obvious choice. The least obvious choice. Yeah, why does it sometimes pick the least obvious choice? So now to engage the pop oracle, you get to spin All right. the wheel of eight. All right. Na, 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 wheel of eight. Song number four, which is Rabbit and a Gun. Okay. You guys ready? It's when I fell into another life Thought my feet were firmly planted on the ground Saving up to buy a ticket on the rabbit hole You know it's safer when we keep it underground And I hope you know that we're falling down the food chain The sharks are always circling around And they're singing na Should be following the walrus's advice And I hope you know But if you don't, you're gonna find out The sharks are always circling around And the singing And a gun. I've loved all these songs, but that's my favorite one so far. Really? Rabbit and a gun from Velvet Starlings, the answer to Larry's question about the hand of fate and its trickster nature, sometimes shining on the when you least expect. So, what a great song, Larry. What's that? That was being in the room with that? Was that just felt so good? It's really. <laughs> 
wonderful what they're doing because it's actually very hard to rock out with just a cajon yeah like rhythm instrument that's really a secondary uh, percussion instrument and and a keyboard and to be able to kind of what i would say like it's like the blueprint for for a house you know yeah. to give the blueprint of like just imagine us on stage at woodstock with yeah. a full band and a horn section and background singers and like yeah like him playing but a, a real kit like you, you hear that in your mind yeah and yeah, that, that's not an easy thing to do. It's, no, it's pretty special. I'm I'm loving it. So, yeah. uh, well, before we get into the interpretation, tell us a little bit about the background of that song, <laughs> "Rabbit and a Gun." So that song, it's kind of I talk about you know the wolves and the circling sharks and the whatever it is. There's a walrus in there. I and think. the walrus, yeah, I heard a walrus. Yeah, that before. was, a, you know, you got to give the nod to the <laughs> my personal favorite, probably I in my eyes best musician of all time. Maybe not technically with playing but when it comes to songs and what he did for the world and what he did for music lennon is just yeah, like yeah. an yeah. idol yeah. but uh yeah all the different animals the big scary beasts and whatnot but at the end you find out the real monster is the the farmer in the woods has got a gun mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. got it yeah. got it so what did you think about that as the answer to the question larry i thought that was really uh you know I once, uh, and I'm shamelessly name-dropping all these stories, but it, it is a rock and roll show. Yeah. Um, it was deep and meaningless, and which is the phrase that Robert Plant gave me once when they were stuck on a song back in the late 80s. And my friend Phil Johnston was his producer for two of his albums, Manic Nirvana, and he had this uh, song called he um, Heaven, I'm, I'm trying to, Heaven Knows. And and I got this tape, and he just Robert said, like, do a song like an old Zeppelin tune that's deep and meaningless. <laughs> and I felt like, like nice impression Luke, there. when he had first met Yoda. You know, I, I went away for two weeks. Like, what did, what does that mean, deep and meaningless? And so what I mean by that is, you you kind of can tell a story without a direct answer, and that's what rock and roll does quite often. Is is it's a blank canvas, and each person paints onto that canvas their own interpretation of what it means to them. You know, if you listen to your song by Elton John, that could mean your lover. It could mean your best friend who died suddenly. It could mean a, a parent. It could mean a child. So really great music answers the question, but lets you answer the question for yourself. You see, I was thinking about how... You know that uh, that idea of thy will, not mine. Yeah. Like, and we we were talking before, uh, I think, with John Farrader about how sometimes the greatest musical experiences you have are with bands that don't become don't become oh, famous. You yeah, just you yeah. see them in a room, and and you don't know the impact of that. And I've also been thinking a lot about um, people of my generation who got maybe more successful than me, and I mm. looked at them with envy at a certain mm. point. But now I'm also looking at how things... There's also a kind of... I feel like there's also something that's very precious in not going that route. And I'm thinking about the rabbit here. I'm thinking mm. about, like, you know, the rabbit saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> but... Who are the, who's it getting picked by, mm. right? You're being you're you want to be you you want to be this thing that everybody wants, but then when you are the thing that everybody wants, like you're saying, the Beatles run being chased in Hard Day's Night. It's not if you it looks cool if you're not the one being chased, mm. but if you're the one, and maybe if you're just being chased once, but if you're being chased every day, mm. 
not everyone becomes Paul McCartney and it's the person who can smile at someone who approaches them, mm-hmm. especially speaking about John Lennon. Yeah, he has a very yeah. he has a very good reason in his personal life to not smile at the stranger who is approaching him, mm. and and it takes something very special to become to become that person. I've met a few people in my life who were very famous who also were incredibly open to me in that moment. When I, and Paul's one of those people, and uh, I, won't, I won't go down. Uh, this is the show for you to name drop. I won't do, go do too much of mine. A little bit's cool. Uh, a little bit's okay. Just make it safe. <laughs> yeah. But I just feel like there's something about that. What is the trickster? I mean, even the rabbit is a trickster mm. symbol, mm. right? Harvey, like the puka, yeah. is a trickster. In this time, we look at we look around. We like we why isn't this person famous and successful? Mm. But if you look, when we look back at some of the great at the greatest stuff that ever happened, mostly the geniuses. And the things that speak to us through time are not the things that were famous and popular and celebrated in their time. In their time, yeah. Right? So if you are famous and celebrated in your time, there's maybe a less likelihood that you are actually speaking the greatest truth. And so I, when I, have, I always try and remind my friends who – because I have plenty of friends who I think are – who I would describe like this, like why – uh, you know, this person is so talented. They can do everything. Why can't they have even the modicum of success that other people who seem like they just don't deserve it at all have? And at the same time, who am I to determine what their path is? I mean, and even when I'm saying that, it's like, well, their music clearly has an effect on me. And if they were so famous and successful, it might not have had that effect on me. And it's very selfish. I wouldn't wish for them not to have the success. Mm. But sometimes it has to, the truth has to come through a more obscure vehicle. Mm. That's what I thought. And I guess the, going back to the song, the idea, like we envy the rabbit, but, not, but until we realize... There's a guy with a gun in the forest. Yeah, there, and there's walruses chasing. There's everyone's chasing it. Yeah. You know, not so... It, although at the same time... You get to be the star of the story, and in this, did the did the rabbit survive the story? Uh, you kind of are the rabbit. It's kind of, I don't know. It's weird because karmic law works in mysterious ways, where like you're, it sometimes it comes at the wrong times, and the wrong people get the fame, and the right people are never heard of. And like, mm. like actually, to the the gun side of the story, like you see what happened in New Zealand or any of those where they go and have mass shootings in churches for people who are trying to. You know, be peaceful, and the people who are trying to be peaceful are the ones who have their bloody death. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we have mythologically a built-in system in our subconscious where we want the good guy to win in the end. And and to me, it's it's why certain things like like Game of Thrones is so popular because that doesn't happen. Like the least likely, least competent, most evil person kills like the genius who's great and it's so shocking and it's so um, disruptive to our mythology that there's something really powerful like uh, opposites you know have power so we, we we live in a world of duality and these opposites have power to us and and yet at the same time you know there's something very mystical about you know he mentioned John Lennon about the Beatles because they're almost like the Yellow Submarine movie, they're almost like a bunch of lads who were famous and were frozen in time. They unfreeze from time to time to come back and save the world, so to yeah. speak. 
And and we're in a phase right now, and one of the reasons why I love, you know, Velvet Starling so much is is Michael Lang was saying uh, when he was putting Woodstock 50 together, which is a thankless job because if you hire all old hippies, then everyone says, you know, that's been done already. And if you hire all Jay-Z's and, and Kedrick Lamar's, everyone says, well, this isn't Woodstock. It's a rap concert. You so, know what solves that? I don't you know. Book Velvet Starlings. You know, so so he was saying that the the issues facing America and the world today, you know, the corruption in government, the you know, this this fear that's in the air, the division of people is as much prevalent today as it was 50 years ago, which was very surprising. Yeah. So that's why I feel like there's really an opening for for a group like this because it speaks to the zeitgeist of the times. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and and there is a, a need for you know people are, uh, you know, scientists and government agencies are allowing people to use ketamine for people with you know severe depression and things. So we're, we're at a different phase of of people kind of understanding the way the brain works and and everything. And so rock music, psychedelic music, has a healing power mm-hmm. in and of itself that. Um, I think is part of the zeitgeist of the times. Where... Yeah, and I, I I do want we 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 have to we're getting close to the end of this, sure. but I did want to ask you. You must so we we know that you've worked with some some heavy cats who we've all heard of, but is there someone when we're talking about like an artist who had a tremendous impact on you personally, mm. but who most of us probably either we've never heard of or if we have heard of them we probably wouldn't put them on that mount rushmore the way they live in your experience mm. is there anyone you think of when you think of absolutely like that? somebody that i saw two nights ago yeah at the coach house in san juan capistrano is a, a german guitarist named uli john roth and uli john roth was the co-founder of the german metal band the scorpions oh yeah and after four or five albums he left and he lived with Monica Donovan, who was the German artist that was Jimi Hendrix's fiance, and that Jimi lived with in London at the time of his death. And I have never met a musician as good as Uli. And I just saw him, and uh, he he's a bit of a recluse. He lives in Wales. He comes out, and he plays a guitar called the Sky Guitar that has extra frets. It goes up literally two other octaves that a normal guitar wouldn't. And he's, you know, he'll play seven or eight or 11 string guitars that he's, and he's, it's like being with Beethoven. When you, when you hear him, uh, it's, you, you only have to step back and all. And there are people who shred, there are Ingwe Malmsteins and Steve Weiss who are great musicians, but Uli has something else. You know, he, he's got long hair with a headband. He looks like somebody from like the Sioux Nation that Custer attacked. Like he, he's a total visually hippie but the musicianship level is so high and all of his songs are these songs i called beyond the astral skies and all of this stuff and and the fans who were there uh and i saw him at the whiskey actually on wednesday and i saw him at the coach house on thursday today saturday the fan it's a weird thing for me they're all people who are you know 15 or 16 in the mm-hmm. 80s when the when this was happening and now they're like 65 year old headbangers mm-hmm. so they're like overweight bald like rock guys and they just scream the whole time and stand <laughs> up and shout after everything and and it's so meaningful to them to hear this music and i think that that's the very best of what music does is that music really 
gives you a uh, a deeply emotional spiritual experience and these people you know and and like all of us there's music that brings up a chapter in your life you hear the song and and for some reason, this guy, his name is Uli John Ra. Uli John Ra. Uh, his music touched a generation of people, but most people don't know who he is. So is he, when he plays, is he playing Scorpion stuff or is he playing... He's playing his original stuff, maybe an encore that's a Scorpions, and he's got this little band of people who are... His, he has two other guitarists, so there are three people playing guitar. They do a version of Vivaldi's The Four Seasons where they play all of the parts on guitar, and it's... It's insanely, you know, it's very obviously classical, but it's insanely unique and the skill set is so high. On it. I mean, I, I used to play keyboards and, and you know, I, I lost some of that virtuosity from just not practicing. But, you know, it's an interesting thing to see somebody, you know, in an age that's over 60 that can play like, you know, n like the devil himself gave tapped him on the shoulder 45 years of shredding yeah, yeah. to get to that point yeah. right unbelievable musicianship just and there is a hendrix connection too because he he went out with hendrix's fiance and and, and jimmy was in her apartment that terrible night that he died so she um inherited a lot of his things his clothes his guitars and stuff and there's some strange hendrix lineage there yeah yeah, well, I I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Well, and I and I'm I forgive me. I'm not a hundred percent set, but I feel like I've heard the Scorpions were around a long time mm. before they had their hit that Rock Me before Rock Me Like a Hurricane. They'd been around because for a lot of people, the feeling is that's when they began. Yeah. But they were a band that had been paying their dues for like many many, many years before many that. Many years, and and uh, you know, and and they they were part of that. I, when I toured, you you have this whole lesion of kids who have these jackets that say ACDC, Metallica, Def Leppard, Scorpions, mm -hmm. this, that. You know, it's it's a. They were all it, on my trapper it's, keeper. It's a thing, yeah. you know. And uh, just, it, it's wonderful to hear that level of musicianship mixed with rock and roll. Yeah, you know, because uh, there's also, and I, I'm a big appreciator, having grown up in New York, of the CBGB world of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the Ramones and and television and and John Cale and Patti Smith, and there's something wonderful about that spirit, but it's lacking the actual virtuosity of playing. And, right. And I think that when you put those two things together, that's why George Martin was so good for the Beatles. He would just suddenly put into a Beatles song, this incredible harpsichord part, or yeah. these piccolo trumpets in Penny Lane that are playing something that would be in, you know, you'd hear that part in Vivaldi's Four Seasons or something. And that's what's so great about rock and roll is these mix of elements. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it, when this comes out, the uh, Velvet Starlings are going to be touring the U.K., and that's going to be at the the first week of June. What are you going to What are you going to be up to the first week of June when this comes out? You have any idea? Uh, I don't, but it sounds like a good reason to go to England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we where are you going to? Where are some places you're going to be playing that we We're can play? Edinburgh, Glasgow, London, Manchester. What's London? London. London. <laughs> no, okay. I like. I mean, I've heard of that other place, but London. That sounds. I got. Well, I want to play London. <laughs> Yeah. So Glasgow, Edinburgh, Wales, London. Uh, London. Where else? There's somewhere. Liverpool. Camden. You're going to play Liverpool? Not Liverpool. Really? Oh, 
Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe. I don't know. He books the tours. Yeah. Well, you have a good team because they're getting you out in front of people. And this is the real deal. You know, there are a lot of people who come out because they have some guest rapper or there's like a little bit of payola. They somehow do like, you know, paid ads on Facebook. And all that stuff is great too. But you're actually doing the work, which is day after day showing up in front of people who don't know who you are. And it's very much the iconic history of what rock and roll is. You know, Jethro Tull got in a band, a van, and toured around. No one knew who they were. The Stones, the same thing. Queen, you watch the Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody movie. They're all in a van, and everyone's like, who are these weird guys, you know? And, and I, but that gives you the, the muscle to really kind of develop as an artist so that when the time comes, you can really handle those large crowds. That's what made, like, the Beatles arguably, like, the that when they got into the studio, they could be there for 14 hours and yeah. just knock out the entire Please Please Me. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. As I was saying to them, it's like, and don't you think that even Paul McCartney, like the the people who have, have attained the highest heights, that a part of them, if they could switch places with Velvet Starlings and be 17, 16, 18, 19... 35 is my <laughs> but be you know to be young and in a band at the beginning of it if you've ever been in a band that's like the most like whether or not you become the beatles you feel like that's the best of the best experience it's the thing that you always are like oh it'll, like even the beatles when they were when they were at the end paul mccartney was like wow well, can we get it to be like it was when we were at the yeah, beginning of course because right? it's there's some really beautiful like we kept you going back to the word pure there's yeah. something pure about when it's new yeah and when it's you're you're not under a microscope or under pressure and, mm-hmm. and the worst thing is and it's a good thing you know there's a good and a bad to the fact that we have unlimited bandwidth now for new artists online because you're not under this microscope of you have four or five major labels and they dictate you know it's like nirvana had Nevermind and and all of that and by the time they were on their second album geffen records rejected their second album said no we need another smells like teen spirit you know Mm -hmm. we're not releasing the power that record companies used to have over an artist strangles them to a large degree and um the fact that you can actually now go out and in direct proportion go directly to the fans. I'm also I one of the things I'm doing is I'm helping a blockchain radio platform called Peer Tracks, like P like your peers mm-hmm. tracks. And and it's one of those great things where even a show like this, you can go directly to a worldwide audience and and people can react in real time. People can you can get paid for your streams and this direct connection that's happening right now with with the way the internet is working uh gives people like like velvet starlings a, a type of freedom they wouldn't have had before where you're you're it's like you're in a, before you were like one of those actors during the movie studio system where you were groomed in every way and you yeah. know your manager was telling you like lose the motorcycle jacket and put on a suit and tie like the Beatles did after Hamburg, you know, to mm-hmm. just look appropriate, and uh, and so there's a good and a bad to that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like everything, I mean, every every time we change, the, the music business changes over. Something new is born, and some we lose some other piece of it. So, well, well, Larry, I'm 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 really grateful that you that you made it to the studio. I I know you're a busy guy. You probably 
Uli's got another gig you're, got, you're on your way to? I, you know what? I will <laughs> give a little plug that is just something awful. I have a friend who has a band called Little Doom, D-U-M-E. Yeah. That's James Burnett. He's a, a talented musician, and they're playing tonight at the Peppermint. So tonight it's it's another band. Okay, well, maybe... I, forgive me for mentioning... Uh, no, 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 no. I'm no, looking for asked. something to do tonight. So well, come with me. Yeah, I, the I Peppermint tonight? Yeah, it's at the Peppermint. And they're, they're local kids, and they're in Malibu, so they're kind of like... Very time, you know. What's great about, you know, Velvet Starlings is just there's this uh, whole wave of authentic. Play. We're repeating the same thing, but yeah. they're part of this wave too. That 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 Velvet is is that they're playing their instruments, they're singing. It's there's a great. I love EDM, but you know, it's just seeing some guy hitting one button with his hand in the air at a, at a at a big EDM festival, like I, I want to feel the music, not just yeah. hear it. And so what I, what I get from this band is I feel the music and it, it touches me in a way that all of the greats touched me when I first started listening. And, and, and so it's, it's a wonderful day to be listening to music today. Yes, it is. Yeah. I feel like we're all under the rock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are under, under a greater rock. Yes. Sorts. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Larry. Yeah. It's a it's it's a pleasure to share some some music and synchronicity with you. And tonight, I mean, people who were listening to this in June will have missed it, but maybe we maybe we ran into you at the Peppermint yeah. seeing Little Doom. L- Little Doom, D U M. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Larry. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.